Hello there, we are your host Vivek and Pavitra from the Agile Coach Podcast. In this podcast, we bring fresh perspectives to you through our interviews with thought leaders in Agile Coaching, facilitation, business analysis, and product management roles. Enjoy! We talked about courage, vulnerability, we talked about empathy, emotional intelligence. So, one place for a scrum master where we use a lot of this is in a, in a retrospective. So let's talk mm-hmm. a little bit more about retrospective and your mindset uh, behind retros. Mm, yeah, I mean, retro is the place to flex all of those muscles. You know, it's it, it's really an opportunity for the team to come together and talk about what do we need to improve in our processes? How mm-hmm. can we make this situation that we're living right now mm-hmm. better? Yes. And so that's the mindset that I really go into is how can I facilitate a discussion around what's been happening mm-hmm. and, you know, coming to the table ready, prepared with points that I feel like maybe I need to grow in mm-hmm. or uh, maybe things that I noticed that, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not 100% sure what was going on. And I'm, I come in more with a curious mind of, yeah. you know, what happened during this mm-hmm. time in the sprint, all those kinds of things. So yeah. that's. That's the main focus that I have going into a retrospective. Yeah, just, let's just start with the retrospectives. Uh, Diana, I'm just really curious, like, why did you write the book? How, what was the process of writing the book? Uh, if you can share that. Right. Well, the reasons for writing the book um, are, are really just as strong today as they were in 2004 when we started writing it and 2006 when Six. it was published. Um, yep. And... That is that people don't really understand the power of bringing together a collaborative team and how to help them uh, or how to create a context where they can become really strong and really high performing. And in order to do that, what you need to do is create an environment where team members can come together and continuously learn, continuously learn about their product, continuously learn about their, and and how it's affecting their customers, continually learning about customer needs, continually learning about how they're working together, their teamwork dynamics, continually worrying about, learn about their process, um, their tools, I mean, everything, right? And because as they continually learn about it, once you learn about a thing, you can never go back and be the person, be the people yeah. who don't know that thing. So right. then that feeds continuous improvement, right? Once we've learned something and we've learned that we can make it better, then we want to make the improvements happen. Wow. But, but it's not just simple like that. Yes. Uh, it takes some attention and effort to make sure that teams have that opportunity have the, the little bit of structure that they need to help them do that learning together and do that continuous improvement uh, on a regular basis so they can make small incremental progress and then occasionally make big leaps. Um, but usually teams have to build, kind of build up to the big leaps. They need to, yeah. they need to watch themselves make the small incremental progress and get confidence Mm-hmm. that they can learn their way through and improve their way through anything that gets thrown at them. 
Yeah. And, um, so, so that's why we think it's really important. And, and what we were seeing was that when folks were looking at the 12th principle of the Agile Manifesto, which is uh, at regular intervals, the team pauses to reflect, tune, and adjust, mm-hmm. um, that people didn't really know how to do that. Right. And what a lot of people were doing was what a lot of people are doing now, which is making yes. two lists. What did we do well? What, what do we think we should do differently? Yeah. And then maybe adding in something about appreciations, which I'm really happy about, but, yeah. uh, but then walking away from the meeting and never really taking that next step into, well, if there are things we're doing well, how do we protect those things? How do we ensure we keep doing those things well? Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't take that for granted. And if there are things that we wish we had done differently or that really got in our way, what's something we can do about that? We, you know, as a, as a self-organizing team, as a collaborative team, we have direct control over some of those things. And some of those things, yeah. What, not everything, but that's a different, that's, that's a different exercise. We call that. Yeah. Do you have any other ideas on how you can uh, set the stage in terms of making that environment safe for people? Well, actually setting the stage helps to make that environment feel safe for people. You might also mention, uh, a lot of folks mention the retrospective prime directive. Yes. As part of setting the stage. Uh, We, you know, no matter what we discuss in this retrospective, we understand that everybody on the team was showing up every day to do their best. Mm -hmm. And sometimes something gets in the way of that. And of, of their, I mean, they're doing their best, but it may not be the best they'd like to be able to do or the best we thought they could do. Absolutely. So what's getting in the way? Is it resources? Is it information? Is it, you know, is, did they show up with a cold that day? So it's, it's not about individual performance. It's about how do we work together to, to create a system where we can make sure that people's best is good enough for what the team needs. So I can, I can come to work one day and do the very best I can, but I only got three hours of sleep because I've got a tiny baby and my toddler came home from preschool with a cold and I think I'm coming down with a cold and, you know, uh, and things are, you know, and somebody's remodeling my kitchen in the background, you know, My best that day is not going to be the same as my best on on a day when I really got good sleep and I'm feeling great and everything's going well, right? Or maybe I I wasn't able to do my best because I was waiting for a handoff from somebody and it just never came. And I spent a lot of time and energy trying to get that thing. Yeah, but I was never able to do the job because that wasn't that wasn't coming through for me. So there's a lot of reasons why, you know, we all think about, oh, you know, I, I, um, my best, I could have done so much better on some other day or so-and-so could have done so much better, but there's always reasons why our best that we show up and we do our best. 
Yeah. I, I have never, ever met a person who said, you know, unless they're completely disengaged, yes. uh, who shows up and says, you know, I, I, I'm just going to, I'm just going to slack off today. I, yes, you know. no. No, right. I mean, that. take a take a mental health day if you're going to do that. Don't you know, don't show up. Right. Yeah. So um, so sometimes talking about the 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 uh, prime directive, the retrospective prime directive at the beginning. If you do that for the first few retrospectives that you run pretty soon, you can just sort of refer to it. And let's all remember the retrospective prime directives in force and you don't yeah. have to go through it every time. Yeah. Um, and some people say, well, I don't believe that people are always doing their best. And then it's a matter of, well, for the purposes of this meeting, can you just for this next 45 minutes or whatever it is, can you just, you know, stick yeah. with us and pretend to believe it? Right. Yes. Because because the whole meeting will go better if you can. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, so that's a thing. Sometimes people add into their setting the stage. Um, there are other things as well. Um, the best thing is to read about it and, Absolutely. and, and, yeah. and, and, and get a few, uh, get yeah. a few different ones in your back pocket that you can use. Yeah. So, yeah. all right, let's move to the second step. Okay, gathering so, gathering so then, data. Yeah. How, how do we so do the next that? step yeah. is gather data. And, um, and it is about understanding Make everybody has their own experience. Let's just say we're working on the sprint. Everyone has their own experience of how these five days or these 10 days went. Mm. They assume that is the same experience that everyone else had. Do we mm. just naturally do that as humans? Yeah, yeah. It never is. <laughs> It no, never right. is. Yes. So gathering data is about making sure that we're all working with the same set of data. Yes. That we all have the collective picture of what went on during the sprint. So we bring in, uh, we might bring in uh, like factual data, effort data, metrics data that the team has. How many, how many stories did we say we were going to do in our sprint planning? How many did we actually complete? You know, no judgment, yeah. just yeah. actually what happened. Um, how, you know, is, um, did we find any hiccups in our, in our, yeah. in our task board? Um, did, did we, did we have any outages? Um, and then, you know, other maybe in a, and, uh, uh, so, uh, Charlie had a conversation with Vivek, uh, and they yeah. discussed a thing, but the rest of us didn't hear about it. So that'd be the time to share that with the whole yeah. team. So yeah. that's what you want to do in gather data. You're just trying to get the most complete picture, uh, that, so that everybody knows what everybody's experience was. So everybody has the whole picture. You're all working from the same set of data. Mm -hmm. And then, so we call, I call that the learning part. We're learning about what happened, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then the next part is the analysis or the thinking together part. We call that generate insights. Yeah. So it's looking at what happened. Mm -hmm. What do we make of that? 
Um, what does that tell us? Uh, how do we interpret what happened? What are the implications of what happened? We ask ourselves those kinds of questions. So, you know, what, how do we know now what, you know, what, um, what difference might it make the things? Yeah. Happen, right. So we yeah. want to be, we want to be pretty thorough about that. And uh, very often that's the part that analysis part is the one that uh, people who've been through engineering training or want to jump to right away. They want to start analyzing yeah. But you can't really effectively analyze if you don't all have aren't all working from the same data yet. Yes. So you have to slow people down, make sure you have that data picture. Then you can do a, a really good thorough analysis. Yeah. And then once you've got those, the, you know, the gleaned all the understanding you can from that, then you move on to what we call deciding what to do. So given this data. And this set of implications and insights that we've, that we've discovered, what does that tell us about where we could most effectively do some improvements? Mm. So we're learning together, we're thinking and analyzing together, and then we're deciding together. This has mm. to be a team decision about what action we're going to take. Yeah. And so, so then we look for, for, um, uh, we, we, we look for ways that we can kind of come together as one mind and, and make, make that choice. Kim Kaner or Sam Kaner wrote a great book called Participatory Decision-Making. Mm. And he talks about, and, it's, and um, Jean Tabaka also re referenced it in her book, Collaboration Explained. Mm. It's like setting the stage and gathering data is where we, where we find out what all the different viewpoints are. And then, then when we get to that generate insights, it's what he calls the groan zone. It's like, this is where we kind of work everything out. We yeah. have differences of opinion and so yeah. on. And then deciding what to do is the convergence, the yep. where we come back together to make a decision about what we're going to do next and Absolutely. and meetings need to follow that that, that process and conversion. Yeah, if yeah. they're action meetings yes. and frankly if there isn't any action coming out of this meeting if you haven't picked some place that you want to improve or something you want to some something that's working well that you want to make sure you preserve or and if it's not that coming out of this meeting, it's not a retrospective. Mm. It might be a feedback session. Yeah. You know, but, yeah. but if there's not collective group action coming out, it's not a retrospective. And people use the term, oh, let's do a retro on a lot of different stuff that really aren't retrospectives at all. They're feedback sessions and feedback sessions are useful and important. Yeah, but they're not retrospective. So yeah, it's important sure. to kind of keep that, you know, like the feedback at the end of a workshop. Well, the participants give the facilitator feedback so that they can improve, but the participants aren't going to do anything. Mm -hmm. right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're just, I mean, they're just walking away and going to apply what they learn, we hope, but yes, they're going to yes. all do that individually. It's, you know, there's no collective action there. So yeah. that's, that's a feedback loop but it's not a retrospective.
Diana, one, one thing I want to make, make this real to the audience by maybe, maybe giving an example. And, you know, let's say, um, let's just simulate. And I know you are a big fan of like simulating things and yeah. bringing things close to them. So uh, I'm thinking, um, you know, I, I just came out of retrospective. And in this meeting, I'm a product owner because we're building a product. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we set the stage. We, we gather data and the data that we gathered is, okay, how many, um, how many stories were completed and how does that fit into that MVP that we're releasing? And we also looked at the amount of bugs that were generated. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, like you said, you know, different people have different opinions. Some people were like, oh yeah, it's, you know, it's going really well. I was like, oh no, this is buggy. Um, right. And then, and then uh, for, in terms of generating insights, um, I think we, we, we what we talked about is like okay what why are we why are these bugs being created what's what's the root cause of it we kind of talked about that that discussion mm-hmm. um and i don't know i don't know if we, anything else we could have done to like really uh, generate that uh, generate insights what are some other techniques uh, that you would have recommended well you know we live in a complex world and so um in when we wrote the retrospectives book, we were we pulled a lot of tools actually out of Lean and Toyota Production, the Total Quality Movement tools yeah. and things like that. And there was a lot of focus there on finding the root cause. Mm-hmm. And, and but since then, um, a lot of folks, me included, Esther included, yeah. have, have been much more immersed in the in the world of complexity, the the VUCA. But, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous yes. environment that we're in. And, yes. and a little bit of study in that area and what does it mean to be in a complex system it mm-hmm. tells you pretty early on that there may or may not be one root cause. You're right. Yeah. You know, there may not be one single thing that goes into this. So these days, uh, and that, but that can still be useful. I mean, there are yeah. situations that aren't as complex where yeah. it might be, you know, um, why, why were the legs falling off our chairs? Oh, the yeah. people didn't screw the screws in, you know, that there's a root cause there. But, yes. but then there's also where, where were we rushing them? What else was going on? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. So, so um, even things sometimes that look simple might not be, but, um, but the, the thing is that what we want to do is, is kind of understand what were the, what were some of the alternative paths we could have taken, what new alternative paths have opened up to us now, uh, those kinds of things. So, so in your situation where you're saying, you know, we, we we're under pressure to produce these stories, but in, but the pressure is causing us to not be as sensitive as we maybe could be to, are we, are we not looking out for the bugs we're creating? And is that going to cost us time later on, or is that going to cost us customer satisfaction later on? And uh, so is it, is it that we need, you know, we, so we've got a couple of alternatives here. Do we give more attention? Do we give more attention to the bugs and, um, and slow down on how many stories we finish? Because 
We mm-hmm. only have so much collective time as a team yeah. where we're going to spend our effort. Mm-hmm. So that's a possibility. Yeah. Um, or, you know, um, or do we want to create some kind of hierarchy? Mm. Are there, you know, tier one bugs, which we cannot let these go out. But maybe there are some other ones that are, you know, are just fiddly things that aren't going to, you know, are in the feature that we think the fewest customers are going to use or, you know, there might be all kinds of reasons. But having that conversation with the product owner in the room is a really good idea. Yes. Right. So that they are part of the conversation. Yeah. And um, and so, you know, you begin to you, I would look for some activities that would sort of help me unpack mm-hmm. um, what really I mean, maybe we're creating a lot of bugs, but maybe there are a lot of bugs that don't really matter. Yeah. You know, or True. maybe they're really big bugs that are going to matter, that are yeah. going to be make a lot of dissatisfaction for our customers and yeah. cause us problems in the marketplace or or cause our internal uh, accounting system to crash, you know, I mean, you know, which of these are, which of these are going to be, are really, we really need to pay attention to and which ones do we not? And, and then, and then begin to look at the trade-offs and balances between what, what time does it take to fix those? And what does that mean about what we can expect in our, in terms of how many stories we're producing? But every time, what we know is every time we produce a story, that has no bugs and that has no initial, I mean, it may develop technical debt later, but initially we, there's no technical debt to it, right? Yeah. Every yeah. time we produce a story like that, we know it's a time saver. Right. There's not gonna be any hot fixes that are coming back to us. There's not gonna be, you know, any of that, any blowback for us. Yes, yes. So it, you know, it's might maybe it's worth the time to be more careful about the stories that we do and not try to shove so many through at a time and, and so on. So, but having that con that's a very rich kind of conversation to have. And if there's if you've got some kind of activity, group activity that helps to structure that conversation, that can be really useful because sometimes it's hard for people to just start from a blank page. Yeah. And that's- um yeah. And yeah, so then that. then oh, yeah. that yeah, well, so then that after you've had that conversation, then you have a then you can come up with a list of ideas. Well, what do we think we could do to improve this situation? And we yes. may not be able to take care of the whole thing, but what are the pieces and parts that we think are going to be most important to take care Diana, of? Diana, I need a, I need a moment. You, you threw a lot of wisdom at me here. Yeah. Like I, have, <laughs> I am partially mind blown. So let me take a moment. That was yeah. actually really, really insight. So you actually wrote the book and you have thought about this a lot. So yes. uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, you know, one thing, one thing I had a big aha is when you share like, you know, there's just not one root cause. I mean, that's so true. I, I didn't like, actually yeah. think and, and because I teach five wise and you know yeah. that I come you know I right. teach lean right so that was such a big aha so I need a moment to just let that yeah. sink in uh yeah. so that was really beautiful thank you for <laughs> for making that real for everybody else as yeah. much as it's for me because that that's a situation that I was in 
Um, so that was a good coaching moment, Diana. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you know, five wives can still be useful, but you just, you don't, you're not coming down here. You're going this way. You know, you're yes, like all yes. the contributing factors. Once you understand things like that, once you create a space, once you have that inside generating session, yeah. um, you, you collect that from the team and, you know, you are, you're making your, including your whole team, they are producing ideas. They have different insights than you. Uh, oh, and then sure. now you're, yeah. And then now you're yeah. saying, Hey, everybody's in the same page. There's a shared understanding. And then now the next step is uh, deciding what to do. So uh, how do we do that? Well, yeah, you know, I turn to books like participatory decision-making and, you know, there are lots of, um, lots of examples out there of how, how to get to that. One of the ones that I rely on the most and that I, I like the best is called uh, EI, EIEC, no, EIEIC, that's what it is. And um, anyway, the, it's, I, I'm terrible at naming these activities and so it, they don't have very good ones. But so the idea is to, to spend a little bit of time then at the end of that generating insights to say, well, so now what are our ideas? What, what kind of things could we do to improve? And we write all those down. And that's, that's ideas, that's an I. And mm -hmm. then comes an E, which is how much, if we were to take on one of these, one or more mm -hmm. of these things, how much team effort would that take? And I usually just do t-shirt sizing. Is that going to, is that a large, a small, a medium, extra, oh. extra large? How much of our team effort will that take? And can't, you know, so let's, let's be clear about that. Yeah. Uh, and, and the big ones, is there any way we could slice them down? The big yeah. idea is, is there any way we could slice them down and make them smaller? Oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. And so then we get a list of, you know, well, here's, here's our best guess about how much effort these different things will take. And then we look at that list again, given the idea and given how much effort it will take, where might we get the most improvement impact? Ooh, so that's another, I love that. right? Not yeah. what's most important because most yeah. important gets vague, yes. but where might we get the most improvement impact? And so then I have people dot vote on that. Yes. Depending on how many ideas I give them some number of dots and people dot vote where they think the most impact will come from. Where, where, where will we get the most benefit if okay. we, if we try this improvement? That's, that's a good model. Okay. Yeah. So now we've got e, I, E, I, and then the next one is an E again. E, and that okay. is, it stands for energy or enthusiasm. Ah. And what do we really, what do we really want to do? Yes, yes. <laughs> there has to be energy behind that. There has to be, there has, that exactly. It has yes. to be energy behind it. And so even though one idea might get the most impact, if it doesn't also get the most energy, we're not going to go for that one. Yes. Right? So, so then I usually only give people two dots, ah. at the most three dots where if, if you're going to be involved in helping to improve this, where do you, where are you going to put your energy? Oh, right. That's, that's a nice right? way to do it. Yeah. So, so then we look at the IEIC, IE, right. The, the idea, the effort, the impact and the energy. 
and we begin to see a pattern. Yes. Of what is it we want to take on? And we don't actually have to decide. Mm-hmm. It becomes clear. Clear, it's there. Like the yeah. boats are there. Yeah. And so, so then I usually just do a fist of five, look for agreement or something like that. And then the last column is C, and that is for commitment. Who mm-hmm. on the team is going to take the lead in making sure this improvement yeah. action happens? And, and then who's going to back them up? Yes. They, you know, they might get sick. They might get hit by a bus. We don't know. And we don't want to yes. leave ourselves with that risk. So, so we make a small sub team of the team of the folks who are going to try to drive this forward, but everybody else also commits to supporting them in that improvement effort. And then, then we've got our action. So then we move to closing the retrospective. And what I usually do as a facilitator is I reiterate what action we said we were going to do. If it's an in-person planning, if people are working together, I used to have them take an index card and actually write the action and take that into the planning session. So it Mm -hmm. became part of the stories that they were planning for the next next sprint. But uh, in the online world, we have to do things a little bit differently. But still, we could go right ahead. I mean, now we can absolutely just write it into the next sprint plan. Yeah. And uh, that's, you know, that's work we're going to need to account for because it's work that we are doing. It's like it's like automating part of your your application, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's work we're going to do because it's going to speed us up later on. We're not going to continue right. to trip over this thing. 100%. That we're going to improve that situation. And, and that, that's work worth doing. So, so we do that. Um, so just reminder, this is the action we decided on. And then I usually thank everybody for the uh, effort that they've put in. Sometimes I will also, that's a good time to do, would you, does anybody want to offer an appreciation to anybody else on the team for the time that we, this time we've been together in the retrospective or during the sprint as a whole? And, and that, the rule on that is not everybody needs to get an appreciation and not everybody needs to give one. Yeah. But only if you really feel moved to do it. So, yeah, yeah. 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 And then some feedback, not a retrospective, but some feedback to the facilitator on things that they might improve for their next retrospective and Mm -hmm. feedback to the team for how their participation could improve in the next retrospective. And then we're done. I want to kind of talk a little bit more about facilitation because, you know, you've been an agile coach, you've been a facilitator, you've actually taught facilitation at large companies and taught a lot of uh, scrum masters and agile coaches uh, on how to properly facilitate and energize and, and really get the, those meetings productive. And um, we also teach a class uh, on that and which is called an agile team facilitation. So um, when you think about facilitation, what is facilitation to you? So it, it, we, we actually put something in the class around this where it's stop running meetings. So essentially, if you're running the meeting, you're standing up at the front, you're calling on people, you're putting things out, and sometimes there is open discussion. But in reality, it's everybody deferring to you and you telling people 
essentially what to do. But being a facilitator really means stepping back and creating uh, an environment. And if you want to get fancy, holding the space for people to make um, their own decisions, to do the work, and you are there to support them. So a big difference with that is when you're facilitating, you probably only speak maybe 20% of the time. Mm. And the other 80%, the, the room and everyone else in the room is, is participating and actually doing the work, which right. is why if you, if you need to jump into the conversation, uh, one mistake a lot of scrum masters make early on is that they facilitate their own retrospectives, which is fine. Mm. I mean, it actually talks about it in the scrum guide and stuff, but um, when you think about the fact that a scrum master knows the most about the process within the team typically and knows the most about how they've been performing and mm. watched a lot of what happened, it makes a lot more sense for somebody else to facilitate a retrospective and let the scrum master participate as an equal. Right. So there, it makes sense to get somebody else to facilitate so that the scrum master can chime in. And having yeah. a powerful or strong uh, facilitator who can tell the scrum master, hey, you need to stop for a moment. This person over here is trying to talk and hold space for the entire team to make sure that they don't just run over them. So some people can yeah. do both, but it, it's a hard skill. And most teams will defer to the scrum master. So when the scrum master raises a point and they're facilitating, it puts mm -hmm. them in a position of power that makes it hard to disagree with them. One of the things that I, you know, I encounter or like I hear a lot of scrum masters out there is like, ha or even teams, like whenever, like I went to an organization where the idea of retrospectives, like people cringed, like, oh, another retro, like, I don't want to go to another retro. Um, and, you know, over time, like I, I've learned there are so many cool ways to like make those fun, engaging, um, where people actually want to come. And I know earlier you talked about like, you've had some very successful retros, maybe like last couple where, you know, you don't even do anything at this point, or you're just more of an observer and people just have your team just kind of runs a show on their own. Um, I guess, like, what are some things that you did to get to that level, maybe? Or, um, you know, how do you how what have you done to really make sure retros are fun, engaging and effective, because you can have a retrospective, and you can have, you know, you can talk about a few things. But like, I've also like have had teams that just talks about things, but then there's really not anything concrete that they can take back and like implement to get better, right? Because there's also like an art on facilitating and, and making it effective um, that they do take out the action item and they know what they need to improve on and actually implement that. So like maybe just talk about what, what have you done? Yeah, I think retrospectives are such a journey. Um, <laughs> and I think maybe one thing that I've done that's worked fairly well is just understanding what the pulse of the team is like in the moment, mm. right? I mean, is a, is, is a traditional retro even the right decision? Right. Are they even in the frame of mind to like go through a retro? Mm. And maybe they're not, and that's okay. Like I've done, I've done a lot of different types of retros that weren't even retros, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like if, they, if, if they've just had an amazing sprint and they've yeah. delivered and they feel good about it, and, um, you know, they set a new record for velocity or they had some breakthrough as a team. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't necessarily want to go into a retro and talk about all the things that they need to improve. Mm -hmm. Like, so I've had that happen and I've done a celebration retro. There you go. Where we just talk about all the amazing things that we did the last two weeks 
Um, mm. You know, we've done affirmation retros where I'll have everyone on a list and then everyone on the team has to give an, a positive affirmation to someone else on the team. Right. And then we read those and we go, th- and we go through those and it's a really cool way for the team to bond. Mm. Um, but over time, like the goal is to turn them more into like the inspect and adapt right. ceremonies that they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So looking back now, the patience I had in the, in the, the retros up, fu- up front by saying, okay, maybe this isn't the right decision yet. Like, let's wait, let's do a celebration retro. Let's um, give the team. Sometimes I think the team just needs to have space to vent and talk yeah. about what went wrong. And like, I don't, it, what was kind of like ironic is that some of the earlier retros were the best communication and collaboration the team had ever done. Like they were so mad at the organization that they finally dropped their walls and they were just like, we're talking to each other about mm-hmm. what went wrong and they weren't yeah. blaming each other, but there was just like a good vent session to get everything out in the open. So, I mean, it didn't make me super thrilled at the time to like see that, but over time, as they, as the team chemistry grew, the dynamic improved, um, and I experimented with different retro formats and different topics and different, um, you know, ways to go about having like a fun retro that's still productive. The, mm-hmm. um, the team started to mature. Yeah. And now that we've like gone through some of that crap in the past, we can have good retros. I don't have to facilitate so much and they can just kind of lead it. And, and now that they like have some confidence in themselves, they're more open to like making some adjustments because they're not so focused on just doing damage control. Right. Yeah. And I, I think uh, to, to add to your no, I mean, a lot of times people just like look at it, like a lot of scrum masters I've seen um, just maybe look at it as like another meeting. Um, and, you know, depending on where your team is at, it's really not just another meeting. It, I believe like if you're conducting a, an hour retro, like you should spend probably like two hours prepping for that. And a lot of times if, if you're not doing that, then it's like the same retro over and over again. It's like, what went well? What didn't go well? Like, how can we be better? Right. It's the same format over and over again. Cause I mean, I remember like just spending couple of hours just hey like what can I do like does my team like do they need a, a little bit more of an energizer like are they at a point where they're maybe not you know m- m- maybe more uh they're not collaborating as much or I don't see that team spirit so do we need to do like a team building activity should we just like go out like obviously when it was in person should we go out and get some coffee and just sit at a coffee table and like just chat right so so I think the idea behind it is like, can you spend like, spend some time? Can you become creative? Can you uh, implement something new? Can you experiment? Um, you know, can you try something, some of the stuff that you, you talked about, right? Like really feeling the pulse. Like if a team is doing great and like they delivered well and the sprint went great, like, yeah, no need to sit there and talk about like, what can they do better? <laughs> like go and celebrate, like have, a, like have lunch or like have a whatever. Um, have some drinks, I don't know, whatever they need. So um, I think that's, um, that's great.